Good evening and welcome to Enjoy. That is with me, Steve Wraith, and it's Thursday night, and it is Super Mac and Gibbo who join me tonight. Good evening, lads. Good evening, Steve. Hiya, John. Hi, boys. Great to see you and great to share a stage with you uh, last weekend. And I, I guess I just want to open tonight's show by saying a big thank you to all the people from the NUFC Matters community who came up and made themselves known to us on uh, Saturday night, Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Great to meet so many people, John. I mean, a lot of people want your photograph as well, John. Yeah, <laughs> the, it, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And for me... Having had lockdown, it was about the first time that I'd appeared in front of a live audience again, having lost all the talk-ins and the various shows we used to do, Steve, um, in the boxing shows as well as the football shows. And to appear in front of a live audience again is a lot of fun because you, you get an instant reaction, don't you? If I, sure. like story, if I like the story, I might get a comment on the end if it's online, which I might see two days later or something, but the instant reaction of an audience is terrific and I enjoyed it. And we had we had eight of the best for telling stories all on stage at the one time in the end. And uh, fabulous, absolutely terrific. Sure. You, could fit, you could sense, couldn't you, with the audience that they were just so relieved to be out and about again absolutely. and being entertained. Absolutely, yeah. it was a great atmosphere, and and thanks to everybody who was there that night, uh, um, it, it made it quite special. Yeah, yeah. certainly did great stuff, and uh, once again, thanks to everyone who uh, who came along on the night. Okay, uh, as always, lots of people want to talk about lots of different things. I've uh, had quite a few questions already. Um, I will give Bill Molden uh, the first um, the first question tonight because it goes back in time and ties in a little bit with what we we're talking about off air. I, just to give uh, the viewers an insight, I tend to fill the lads in about what's been going on on the big match revisited, which is on ITV4. And if um, if you're of a certain uh, vintage, you would probably enjoy these. Um, you can be any age, really, because it, it's a flashback uh, to, to days gone by when football was football, <laughs> when centre forwards used to punch centre halves in the face, when tackling was a, a, a proper a proper thing in football, when you could pass back to the goalkeeper and he could pick it up. Yes, all of these things actually used to happen. But it, it's a, a day when pitches weren't maintained and just covered in sand. And, and this week we saw Luton Town versus Newcastle from 1975, which Malcolm played in, and uh, Gibbo was at uh, reporting on, actually. And, uh, it, you know, it's well worth a watch. ITV4, find it, uh, set it to record every every time it's on. You'll be, you'll be watching some absolute mm. classics and see some great Malcolm goals. But Bill Molden asked a question uh, and he said, it's just a bit of fun. He says, can you ask Super Mac and Gibbo what happened after Hereford beat us in the FA Cup? Um, he says, it's a pointer for the weekend, hopefully. <laughs> How did it? I mean, look, defeats aren't good. I'm going to come to you first, John, about it. I mean, what was yeah. it like from a journalist's point of view? You know, Newcastle playing, playing Hereford, expected to, to get a result. And the invasion of the Parkers... Um, meant that Newcastle United had been knocked out uh, by lower league opposition. Uh, I mean, it was absolutely horrendous because we, I knew what was coming for us, that we were going to get pelters um, because Newcastle lost. And actually, the actual game itself, you've got to remember, this took place on the Saturday when the next round was taking mm. place because mm. it had been postponed uh, so often. And it was the game that made John Motson who mm -hmm. actually covered it, 
and was only covering it as a cub reporter, but because of the mm -hmm. result, it was catap catapulted from the end of the programme on the Saturday night to the start of the programme, so he got so much more time than he expected to get, and it was the making of Motty. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, when, when I watched the game live from the side, what is often forgotten in these giant killings is that we actually battered Hereford but couldn't score. I mean, it was almost like shooty in. Um, we were so much on top. And then when Malcolm scored with a terrific header with about, I don't know, 10 minutes to go or something of that nature, I thought, about time, great, that'll do for me, we're through. Um, and then, of course, the goal that's absolutely sickened me to death uh, Ronnie Radford's simply because every time the third round of the FA Cup comes round, the show don't tell he mm -hmm. does he, yeah, do. he ran every hit, single year. He hit the long distance shot. I mean, nobody had heard of him before that, and nobody heard mm -hmm. of him since. And he's become ultra famous on that one one shot. The interesting thing was that was the equaliser, of course. It took an extra time. And the, the poor guy that scored the winning goal, Ricky George, got none of the headlines that were got by this guy because he, his shot was stupendous. And again, a famous nightclub story. Gibbo's always telling famous nightclub stories. Um, the night before, being in the nightclub, and I was coming back from the nightclub, and this so was this little guy, and we walked in to the um, hotel and there was Jackie sitting having a coffee or some Jackie Milburn bless him and he he had a real pop at this lad because it was Ricky George and he said what are you doing out in the nightclub the night before game etc etc and Ricky George says hey hey governor he says I'm a taxi driver in London, he said. I'm only sub the mower. I'm not going to get on. I'm not. Do I'm trying to enjoy myself in the little moment we've got in the limelight. And then he goes on as a sub, does a little ballerina turn and sticks the ball past mm -hmm. Willie McCall. And the, the wonderful thing, in the way Bill was saying it, let's hope it's a point. There was one week later, I haven't been ridiculous. And by the way, that game... Finished the career of Viv Busby at Newcastle mm. because Joe had to do something. And after the game, he thought, What the hell can I do? And he thought, mm. Viv Busby's on loan. He got pedaled straight back. His career was finished. And I think he might have put the crossover for Malcolm. Yes, he did. Goal. Yeah, he did, John. I, yeah. And it was and a finish on loan from Luton yeah. Town. I, and it was a finish. That was Viv finished it, um, mm. with Newcastle. One week later, we'll go down to Manchester United. Low best, low best in Charlton. So good, there's a statue of the three of them outside Old Trafford <laughs> now. They're that good. And we, who weren't good enough on the day to, to beat Hereford, took them up 2-0. And, and I remember Malcolm and the boys running out the chance of Hereford, Hereford, Hereford by a packed-out Manchester United crowd. And the only thing that gives me any hope on Saturday is that the team with the best players don't always win. Because Newcastle had the best players when they played the non-league side, Hereford, who were part-timers. And we had Craig, Clark, Hibby, Tony Green, Supermark, Irving Nat. We had all the great first division players and lost. 
Then a week later, we go to Manchester United, who's got best law in Charlton, and they lost. Paddy Crerand and you. Oh, oh. So oh, that gives go that on gives and me, on. That gives me hope for Saturday until I realise the Achilles heel. We're talking about this Newcastle United side mm. on Saturday. And I don't fancy them greatly. I think it's no hope and bubble. But we'll get round to that eventually. But um, aye, it, it, big memories, Hereford and Manchester United, all within a week. For me, that week summed up Newcastle United's 130-year history. That's what they do, don't they? Plumb the depths yeah. one week, climb the mountain the next. What's your views, Marl? I mean, it's um, you know, it's a game as you say, it just constantly gets played, and it was the making of John Watson, of course, as uh, Gibble yes, rightly mentioned. Yeah, um, it it was, uh, um, it was a replay that turned into an absolute saga for us, uh, um, having drawn at Newcastle. And if if I remember rightly, um, I know Colin Addison was the was the player manager for Hereford. He he scored from about thirty-three yards or something like that. Um, in the first, in the first game. Yes, in the first game. Um, somebody, I, I don't know who scored the, the the other goal for Hereford, but that was a long-range one as well, I think. Um, uh, and so they were they were scoring from ridiculous ranges, and of course Ronnie Radford's was from thirty yards. I was. I was two yards behind him. I was about to tackle him when he shot, and um, and and I just and I saw the flight of it, and I just thought Willie to Willie McFall. My thoughts went to him, and Willie, don't even bother going for that. You'll get nowhere near it. It was it was like an exocet right into the top corner. Um, but what might not be realised is what we went through. Um, previously, between the first match and and, and the replay, that uh, we travelled down to Hereford about three or four times and back because each time it was postponed, and so it got to the stage where the FA said to Hereford, "You've got to try and get it on every day," and so that meant that we had to stay down there. And we were staying in a in a hotel in in Worcester, uh, um, and and uh, and we had gone originally gone down thinking it, it will be down for a couple of days, and of course we finished up. I think it was it was a couple of weeks and more that we that we stayed there. So we were having to go out to men's clothes shops and buy underwear and shirts and 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 what have you. Um, uh, and and we were and we found ourselves in this crazy situation from this hotel in Worcester. We, we, we had to find a training ground that was accomplished. But then we had to start traveling and playing games. And we traveled to Derby County and played and then back to Worcester. We traveled to Southampton, played the game back to Worcester. Um, and they were constantly trying each uh, um, each and every day to get the game on. And it was postponed, postponed, postponed. And, and the FA were getting quite um, uh, quite uppity about it. And, uh, uh, and it finished up being played on 
on, as you said, John, mm -hmm. on the, the day of the next round. Um, but when we arrived at the at, at the stadium, well, at the, the, the ground, don't think you can call it a stadium, um, we just looked and, and the whole pitch was covered in hay and they were trying to warm it up. It was so frozen. <laughs> Um, and and it was and uh, and once they got the hay off, um, it was it was a quagmire through the middle and out on the wings. It was like ice rinks, so it was the two extremes. So you, we we couldn't get the studs in our boots proper uh, in proper fashion because you, when it's when it's um, very soft and wet, you wear really long studs and really when it's icy you wear a different type of boot entirely you wear a rubber sole boot um with with little rubber studs in it and so the footwear that we were wearing and of course it was the same for hereford as well the footwear that we were actually wearing only suited part of the pitch um and so you had to be quite careful um, when you went out of that area, um, and me in particular, um, I had long studs, so because I, I, I was sort of centre forward, therefore pretty much through the middle. But I would find myself going out to the flanks quite regular. Oh my word! And it, it, it and I was slipping over. My backside must have hit the ground twenty or thirty times during that game, um, and so. The whole thing had been quite farcical all the way through. But nevertheless, one has to give credit to Hereford. It's not that they played particularly well, but by heavens, they scored four fantastic goals. Absolute crackers. Two in the first game, two in the second game, uh, and hats off to them. They did ever so well. Um, there, there was an irony um, that transpired after uh, some time after that game. That, as you mentioned, John, all the publicity went on Ronnie Radford, who scored that first goal, the equalising goal, and uh, um, he, he, bless him, had so much attention thrown on him that just went on for weeks and weeks national attention, local attention, newspapers wanted to do big stories and, and, and uh, as follow-ups to the game. And, uh, and in the end, the fella had a, 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 because he hated attention, he hate, hated the, uh, um, the lights on him. Uh, he, he just wanted to live a very quiet life. Um, and he finished up having, having severe health problems. Um, uh, and which which was a great shame um, for him, um, but but some years later, um, I, I, it was about ooh, twenty years or so ago. Um, I I was contacted by a guy. He said, "I'm from Hereford Football Club." I said, "Oh, really? Wonderful." Um, uh, he said, "We wondered whether you might come down." and and do an after dinner i went down and i did it and i had the most wonderful evening with everybody 
Um, and all I could do was, um, I, I, in the after dinner speech that I did, I, I just took the the Mickey out of myself, out of out of the Newcastle team, and and what have you, and just constantly praised Hereford's efforts. And I think they deserved it because um, they really did keep going. And and usually, uh, it, if they play really well in in the first game, come the replay, they collapse a little bit. But they didn't. They kept going, um, uh, and obviously we were a superior side, but it finished up. They scored the goals, so I've got nothing um, but praise for for them. And uh, it it, uh, it was an experience that just we sat in the dressing room afterwards. I remember, and and we were all just gaunt. Yeah. Figures. Um, we had just completely exhausted ourselves uh, physically and mentally over this game and the conditions and what have you. And we, but we sort of rallied from that. And on the bus home, um, we, 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 we sort of said, right, whoever the next game is, we're going to get out there and absolutely stuff them. And, and this, uh, um, and, and and this fortitude just kept building through the week. And, of course, we went to Man United. And not, we didn't just beat them. We actually completely outplayed them, outpossessed them, um, outran them, outfought them. Um, and we were um, clear winners and, and well worthy of being clear winners on the day. Uh, I'm trying to remember who scored. I, I have a. I think John Tudor scored, mm -hmm. and was it Stuart Barraclough? I don't think I scored that day, um, but uh, uh, um, but my fellow two forwards um, did, I think. And yeah. uh, boy, it was uh, uh, when when we arrived, the bus arrived about quarter two. And there were crowds, huge crowds outside um, and, and all around the coach. And they were just chanting Hereford, Hereford, Hereford. And for an hour and a quarter, that's all we heard. For an hour and a quarter, just solid Hereford, Hereford, Hereford. We were in the dressing room and it was so loud out in the stadium that it was just poor coming through the concrete. Uh, and and we just heard it solidly for an hour and a half. Hereford, Hereford, Hereford. But of course, what what that did was just really uh, wind us up to get out there and absolutely murder the opposition. Um, and that's exactly what we did. But it was it was one hell of a day. Yeah. Uh, against Man United, one hell of a day. The and and where it was all jubilant stuff from Man United supporters, as as the game started, it it all started to decrease and decrease and decrease <clears throat> as we had all the possession and we were passing it about. Uh, and and then we scored and woof, the volume just absolutely plummeted. Uh, and never really rose again. And by I think by half time, <clears throat> they had absolutely just shut up. And uh, and of course the Newcastle fans took over, and and that was the real beauty of that afternoon, 
the Newcastle fans started to out-sing the sort of 57,000 uh, Man United supporters. Brilliant stuff. Great stuff. Always good to share your memories. I know that uh, people watching always love hearing both of your stories about games gone by. But yeah, well worth a watch. ITV for the big match revisited. Um, some great goals, some great memories, some great haircuts. Uh, something which I've never had to worry about. Um, 25-man squad was announced today, chaps. And we have talked about it on previous shows. Um, four goalkeepers included because of the uh, ongoing scenario that we have with obviously Dubravka and Darlow. Um, crazy. Uh, and, and, and as somebody's quite rightly pointed out, this club does get worse. Darren Cowan says, 25-man submitted. Wilson was in the squad twice at one point and Woodman wasn't even named. This club gets worse by the day. Uh, Lee Taylor just wants to know what your, first, what your thoughts are on the four keepers being involved, John. Yeah, well, I mean, it is crazy uh, because really you, you make a, a big decision and um, you either leave out the guy that's injured or because it's Dubrovka, because Darlow's about ready to come back, you just ditch Gillespie because the odds on you starting with Gillespie at any stage are very long. And you've got Langley as the cover keeper that's a kid in an emergency, which you wouldn't expect. But the, the difficulty is that that was used as an excuse why we mightn't want somebody on loan because would there be room for them in the squad with four keepers? That was just an excuse, but I don't know who we would put in the squad that's been left out if if we went down to three keepers this time, because the kids like Elliot Anderson and that can qualify, don't they, uh, through other means. But um, it's typical Newcastle United. Uh, and John, John, sorry for interrupting, mm. but as you, as you were speaking, something came into my head. Yeah. And it's this, because um, during this international break, Steve Bruce went away and the, and the, and the club put out a statement um, with regards to the transfer policy, more or less saying that, uh, uh, that Steve Bruce um, was making it all up and getting it all wrong and what have you. He knew the rules all the way through and exactly what there was to spend and what have you, and, uh, and he shouldn't be complaining. Do you think putting this 25-man squad out with four goalkeepers is Steve Bruce's way of <laughs> saying, see what you've done to me, this is all I've got? <laughs> um, no, uh, no, because I think Steve Bruce has been on about the four goalkeepers for so flipping long, but I like your idea of it, Malcolm. i tell you what I think that that statement, which we're talking about, did do. It hung Steve Bruce out to dry. Yes, he, he did. Was, he was hung out to dry by his own boss, by his own owner, who he'd been so good to in the past taking all the flack on behalf of the owner mm -hmm. and what has the reward been he's been told hey you knew what was happening etc etc now three things hit me with that statement one it was signed by nobody uh, mm -hmm. Newcastle yes. always going to hide behind the fact that um, here we are we're having a dip but it's not Mike Ashley and it's not Lee Charnley and um 
etc etc so who is it uncle tom cobbley i mean somebody's put out the statement it is an absolute nonsense and where steve bruce for me malcolm is really hung out to dry is that come tomorrow when he does his press conference for manchester united he's got enough on his plate trying to explain how newcastle have got a chance when Ronaldo's just signed for Man U, but he will now be cross-examined at length by the journals about what does he think of the club statement. And whatever answer give, he gives is damned, because if he tows the party line where, oh, anything his lordship does is all right by me, he's going to be massacred by the fans who are going to say, you're gutless, you ought to be saying this is a disgrace. And if he says this is a disgrace, and I'm hugely disappointed, the fellow that likes tapping people on the head is going to take a sledgehammer instead. Ashley is going to be very dischuffed. So whatever answers mm. that is given by Steve Bruce in tomorrow's press conference is going to condemn him and he would have enough problem with the press conference thinking about manchester united without having to answer questions for the first time on mike ashley's statement and can i just give one sentence that staggered me guys out of the mike ashley statement it was said uh, running the club in a sustainable manner does not come at the expense of being ambitious Who's he, who's he kidding? What? He, he said that running the club in a sustainable manner, which is what he says he does by not getting into debt, yeah. does not come at the expense of being ambitious. Well, that's exactly the expense that it yes. does become. Yeah. He I is don't totally unambitious because this he wants to run the club in a sustainable matter mm. and because he does that he's unambitious i mean how unambitious can you get in this yeah. summer when you mm. wouldn't even allow one guy to come in on loan it is yeah. absolutely ludicrous and he steve bruce has a right to think what have i got for my loyalty and torn the party line for the last two years he's just stuck me out there in front of a shooting gallery if, if supporters and said he's thrown me in the time like Houdini trust up and said swim and uh, he can't right well tomorrow's press conference um, I think if I was there and I was allowed to ask Steve Bruce one question that's why um, you're not there <laughs> yes <laughs> it would be um, uh, that uh, Mr. Bruce, um, in the in the team meeting that you must have already had with regards to the Manchester United game, um, the fact that uh, Ronaldo has now signed for them, when you said, who wants to mark Ronaldo, how many hands went up? <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of the th I don't think any of the three central defenders would have been shooting their hand in the air. That's <laughs> That's for certain. They would have all been looking behind them and saying, we're passing them on to the goalkeeper. Freddie, it's your problem, pal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
Guys, I, I mean, Malcolm, I remember the last home game you met up with Rachel. We showed her photograph on the show. She is in hospital. Uh, she's got a bad chest infection. So if you, oh, I no. don't know if you, you just want to send a message to Rachel because she's still oh. in hospital. She's been in all week. Oh, that's such a shame. Oh, Rachel, um, really feel for you on that. You don't deserve it at all, bless you. Um, I hope you get uh, well very, very soon and we see you back at... Uh, at St. James's. Oh dear. That's that's absolutely awful. Bless it you. It is all, all the best from us. I know everybody in the chat asking after you as well, Rachel. So get, get well soon. Um okay, big shout out to the sponsor, Spider VPN. Google Spider VPN, and uh, you will find them at the top of the Google search list for all your internet security. Uh, Google Spider VPN to protect your passwords, your photographs, everything on your computer. Uh, also, a big thanks to skipsandbins.com who've stuck with us for another month. Telephone 0800 2545 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks to LNG Family Funeral Directors for sticking around again this month. 0191 389 7245. Darren Baldwin Funerals as well, 0191-478-2730. Or email Darren at darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk and the website is the same address. Big shout out as well to John at qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle. He's in the chat tonight and he's given us a gift to give away, uh, so keep your ears peeled. And to Jab Signature, the makers of all of our flyers, who's got his new boxing range out soon. Uh, Want to subscribe to the channel? Uh, click on the Newcastle Legends badge and that's it. It's as simple as that. You are subscribed for free. Just click on it, click subscribe. Hit the thumbs up to like the video, very important. And click share to share the video to your other social media. Drop in the comments to speak to like-minded Newcastle fans. Uh, if you are on your podcasts and like your podcast, we are on iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. A couple of shout-outs for a few events that we've obviously got coming up over the next couple of months as well. I will be doing a, a, a live uh, audience with Gavin Peacock on the 29th of October at the Irish Centre. Uh, it's a Newcastle launch of his book. Uh, NewcastleLegends.com is the place for tickets for that. £15 for the tickets. And uh, the much-awaited uh, Christmas do from 2020 uh, featuring our very own Supermac uh, in aid of the food bank on uh, November the 19th. Uh, and because there's a, a, a bottle of wine there for Gibble, I think Gibble might pop along as well to have a, a <laughs> night with me and Malcolm and a few of you NUFC Matters crowd with it being in aid of the food bank. I'm sure we'll get John a bottle of wine and a taxi and he'll uh, be in his element. So uh, that should be a cracking night, 19th of November. Again, tickets are £12 in aid of the food bank, uh, newcastlelegends.com. Uh, for your tickets for that and uh, on Friday we will be announcing another event which we've got coming up uh, before the turn of the year okay John has provided us with uh, uh, we've only got two of these one is up for grabs for the food bank on my Twitter uh, just a one-off uh, Supermac t-shirt uh, and the answer um, to a question and I'm putting Malcolm on the spot here Malcolm can you give us a question for somebody to answer in the chat, John is going to give them that T-shirt if they get the question. The first person in the chat to get the question right. Can you give us a question about your career? Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll give an answer before the end of the programme. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, in my first season, I scored a lot of goals for Newcastle. I think I got about 28, 29. But I was beaten by one man 
Who was it? Okay. In the whole, in the whole of the country, is that, Malcolm? Yes. 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 Great stuff. Great question. There we go, then. Um, we'll keep an eye on the, uh, the the answers coming in, and I'm sure we will. Uh, I'm sure we will get a, a, an answer, and um, I will keep putting them up on the screen, Malcolm. And you can let us know if you see it. I guess that's probably the way to the way to do sure. it. But it's, it's yeah. anybody. It's anybody in the country, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's let's crack on with uh, with a few of the uh, the pointers um, and questions that people have have given us. Uh, one thing uh, Steve if I may when we were talking about uh, before the advert break when we were yeah. talking about Steve Bruce being hung out to dry by the owner and uh, consequently having this very dodgy press conference tomorrow I just wondered as an afterthought what size birthday card Steve Bruce will have sent off today because it's Mike <laughs> Ashley's birthday today. It's That's Mike it. Ashley's birthday. Now, will will the bouquet of flowers and the bottle of champagne in the six by six card have been wrapped on the door of Mr. Ashley this morning with a little note on the side saying, thank you so much. For your kind thoughts while I was away on holiday, uh, as a consequence, <laughs> I will uh, be pulling my teeth out with a pair of pliers at the press conference in the morning. It sounds like you've put a bit of effort into this. Have you actually sent Mike a card? What I've done for Mike's birthday is between me and the uh, good Lord. <laughs> and can and I by say the way, just in case anybody thinks I have, no, I'm flipping well, haven't I? I've said, I've I did send one message though, and it said, Mike, if you want to do something nice because it is your birthday and you could relax and be a really nice person on your birthday, you could actually sell Newcastle and we would all be delighted and you would have 50,000 supporters on your birthday saying thank you so much. 50,000 plus one, that one being Steve Busikos. Yeah. Right. Uh, well done, Colin Wilson. He's come up with the right name. Oh, well brilliant. done, Colin. You've won the T-shirt, lad. Well yeah. done, and Colin Franny was Lee. Colin Franny was Lee. Lee. He he got. I um I I think he got thirty-one goals, seventeen of which were penalties. Uh, um, that was that was his nickname, Mal, wasn't it? Lee yeah. won pen. That's he right. Say, he was Chinese. <laughs> he was called Lee Wan Pen. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And and and, and the irony um, of it is that because uh, I, I mentioned in the last program um, meeting Puskas in in that in Athens, he wasn't the only person that I met. I bumped into Franny Lee, who was on holiday at the same time in the same place, um, and uh, we finished up going out for a meal um, together. Uh, over there and uh yeah he he, he was he was uh a good company and, and uh lovely lady um his wife lovely so uh, yeah that made it quite a quite a quite a holiday um at the end of my first season for newcastle 
Brilliant. Rachel uh, says, thanks, Super Mac and Steve. That means a lot. Thanks, everyone, for your good wishes once again. You do all cheer me up. So, yeah, get get well soon. Uh, Yano says, why do you look to ridicule and criticise the club every single week? Uh, Yano, we don't. They do enough themselves. And I'll, give you, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I, of course, have bought my ticket to Manchester United this weekend. Um, now, when it got to Wednesday and I hadn't received my ticket, um, I decided to email the box office. Um I emailed the box office and to be fair, I got a reply quite quickly just to say that they actually sent me a ticket to somebody else. Um, now, it turns out that this person <laughs> used to be in an old friends and family group, uh, which I used to go um, to away games with these people um, over 10 years ago. And when the website was changed over and I went into the back end of it, and I'm quite meticulous with these things, I did go into the back end of the website and make sure that I wasn't in any friends and family groups that I shouldn't be. And I am only in a friends and family group with my brother and my dad. Um, so they've actually sent my ticket to somebody who I haven't seen for the best part of 10 years. <laughs> Luckily, that person had the gumption and the common sense to send the ticket back uh, on Monday when he notified the club that the ticket was coming back. So I actually got an email yesterday from the club to say that my ticket had been sent to somebody else and that... I should go and get it off them. And if I didn't go and get it off them, it was my tough luck. That was more or less the gist of it. Luckily, the ticket then amazingly has reappeared at the club and I went up to pick it up the day. But honestly, um, we, we talked about this on the on the Fab Forum Friday. The club's fallen apart, uh, you know, and we don't look to ridicule it. It's ridiculing itself because it's so badly managed. It's run on a skeleton staff and it's not the staff's fault. It's the owner's fault because he's... He's had people off on furlough. He's got agency staff in. The club's fallen to bits. We've sent the, the, the people who sent us in photographs on Friday of, of the, the, the there's a hole in the nine bar ceiling which is which has had water coming through it. There's a, a woman on the, on the Platinum Club actually walked off the bar because because there was no stock and the, the card machine stopped and they're not allowed to take cash. The place is falling to bits. There's complete mismanagement. I'm afraid, you know, I make no apologies if, if you feel as if we we'll have a pop. Um, and we've got, a, we've got a manager whose only success in the Premier League is either taking clubs down or, or, or staying up by the skin of his teeth. You, you, you can't tell me that getting, you know, getting to, you know, getting Hull City or, or somebody like that to the later stages of the FA Cup final is a successful Premier League manager. The guy shouldn't be a country mile anywhere near our football club. Neither should Mike Ashley. The place is a mess. And I, I'm sorry, like, but I'm just sick as a chip. And also, Steve, he says, why do you look to ridicule and criticise? We're not ridiculing. It's the club that are ridiculing themselves by their behaviour. All we're doing is highlighting the ridiculous things that are going on there. That's all. It's crazy. And I mean, look, I know, John, somebody stopped me in the street. I see loads of people when I'm out and about because obviously I walk quite a lot of places, John. I still go out for fitness and people say, ah, oh, give one, you know, they love the show and, you know, they love listening to you two, you know, talking about it. But a lot of people read your column, John. And um, they said you got the, you hit the nail spot on again this week, you know. Well, I mean, one of the things I've always said is, that if you're going to be in my particular game, which is you're going to be a journalist, the first thing you should be is honest to yourself. You, you've mm -hmm. got to tell it the way you see it because that is what you're paid for and that's what people read you for. And I've said this before in the past. 
I mean, when Steve Bruce was a player at Manchester United and I had very close relationships with Walls End Boys Club, which I've still got to this very day, I got to know Steve ever so well. He was a terrific lad, a quality, quality player, and we had a close friendship. When he was first linked with the Newcastle job, I was desperate for him not to get it because I knew that my job would be to tell the truth the way I saw the manager running the club. And I felt Steve Bruce wasn't the right man for Newcastle United, that I would have to come out and say that and the relationship would be ended. He got the job because he wanted it, but then I was still going to say what I believe to be the truth and have continued saying it, and I've sacrificed the relationship through saying it but if i'm going to take the coin to talk to the newcastle united fans i've at least got to tell the truth i don't think that in the awesome very famous steve bruce supporters in the media that love him as a bloke but they sell their own soul and they sell the people that they're writing for by towing the Steve Bruce line. You've got to tow the Newcastle United line if you're reporting on Newcastle United. And I've tried to do that for 55 years now, and I will continue to do it. It doesn't mean I'm right, but it means that it's my opinion and it's my honest opinion. And I think a lot of fans can identify with that as, as, as opposed to you saying what you think you should say or saying what you think the club will not take objection to, whether that's Mike Ashley or the manager, and you do that so that you get more stories. Sorry, I'd rather tell the truth. Mm. Um, well said, John. Absolutely. And, and, and that's why you are such a respected journalist, um, uh, not just here in the Northeast, but, uh, but, but generally around the country. Um, uh, uh, and 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 when 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 we see the situation that has gone on for the last two or three years, um, and and then and this summer in particular, I, there are managers who would have resigned over the over the the lack of funding, um, preventing the manager from strengthening when he's watching um, all the clubs, even the, even the three promoted clubs from the championship, they were bringing in hordes of players at huge cost by comparison to Newcastle, and Newcastle were just treading water as far as transfer were. There are a lot of managers who would have said, I, I can't tolerate this because uh, um, you're not allowing me to meet to do my job properly and and therefore i i have to leave um but there was no such thing from steve bruce that's for sure you know no. that he, he wasn't prepared to stand on a principle no definitely not um lots of people uh commenting on this and uh chris just says john's a cracking journalist cracking points um a lot of us uh were talking about this on friday as well the gallagher end believe it or not lads um, has had a dead pigeon um, in in the roof, in the netting for the last three years. I actually moved out of the Gallagher end three and a half, over three years ago now. 
the dead pigeon was in the net. It's still there. And there was actually, somebody's actually sent us a photo of it for Friday's program. The dead pigeon is in there. It's going to get it to a Twitter account. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure. But it, it, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. It really is. It's just, it is. It, we have to laugh because if we didn't, we'd cry, Malcolm. The, the club yeah. is going to rot and ruin. I, I mean, when I went up to the ticket office today, you, you, don't, you don't tend to look at it in depth when you're up there going up to the game. But when you actually, there's nobody around and you just start looking at things, just simple things haven't been cleaned or, or tidied or yeah. it's, it's, it's like a dump, Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't disagree with you on that, Stephen. It, and it's so sad um, to, to see what, what was a, a, mm. a real great club and it's, it's sort of rotting away. Yeah, you know, Billy wants to know whether the pigeon was killed. Was the pigeon killed by one of Joe Linton's attempts on goals? Only, only if the netting it was in was not behind the goal. <laughs> you wouldn't have hit that netting. Absolutely no chance of that. Dear me, how oh, dear me, how oh. um, injury front, John. Any updates? Uh, people asking us if Wilson, if we have because I mean, the rumor going around is that Wilson could be out for up to four weeks. Uh, oh. out for another, out for another month. I mean, the, the, the feedback and the whispers I've heard is Debravka is it, it's not good at all. Um, no. and it's con and, and I'm you know, I'm not I'm not breaking any medical secrets here, but you know, th there's clearly an issue, and that issue needs to be sorted out sooner rather than later. And the club, of course, will only be able to tell us what they can tell us, but with, with it being out for another month, hence the reason we've got the goalkeepers all in the squad. But I mean, the 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 way of doing things these days is so different from my days when I was working with Joe Harvey. When I was working with Joe Harvey, I would walk up to St. James's Park every single morning at half past nine, have a cup of tea with a groundsman in the groundsman's hut, and then at quarter ten, go in and see Joe. Now, I saw him in a one-on-one -on -one situation. The Nationals, being morning papers, saw him at the lunchtime. Yeah. As an evening paper... I saw him in a one and one But what you got for the fans then was a day-by-day -day report on the injury situation. Now, you don't get a solitary single word till the Friday, Friday press conference. Now, this last week, we haven't known what the situation is with uh, Wilson. What is the situation with Fraser? How long is he going to be out for? He's, we see him coming back in a moon boot and on crutches from playing for Scotland. And he always comes back injured after playing for Scotland. Uh, he missed the last nine matches of last season after playing for Scotland. But we don't know what that situation is. We don't know what the Wilson situation is. We don't know for certain whether Almirin's banned or not banned for not going over to Paraguay. Yeah. We, we mm -hmm. don't know the update on Shelby, and we mightn't want to know that, but we don't know it, etc., uh, etc. Et so there's so many questions that are unanswered until tomorrow morning, and that's the eve of the game. And uh, I find that very unacceptable. If this, a manager should release something daily, whether he speaks to the press or not, to keep the fans abreast of what the current... We are going into this match and we haven't a clue what the team might be that turns out of Manchester United. You uh, and Steve Bruce together. 
Yes. <laughs> Even though there's some people would say, what difference is it going to make? I mean, you know, as we're saying with the three centre-halves, um, you know, which one of you lads would like to mark Ronaldo? Um, <laughs> you know, well, I, I think that two of the three will instantly need to go to the toilet so they won't be able to answer the question. And the third one will have collapsed on the floor in case it's him. Give me five minutes with Ronaldo. I'll take him out of the game for the lads. I'll do me bit. I'll get a red card for that. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, uh, by the yeah. way, may I say, Steve, as far as getting a red card's concerned, there's a few people that have tried that with Ronaldo. In the first time round, he was much quicker and, and cleverer than this time because he's 36. But you may well recall, you two guys, the Stephen Taylor tried to be desperate Dan oh, with him yeah. it's in James's Park and he was going to get a red card to finish him and I tell yeah. you what it was like a matador with a cape Ronaldo mm. just went oops a daisy oh. Steve Taylor's lying on the floor sticks a ball in the net Ronaldo runs back ruffles Taylor's hair as he goes past and yeah. waits for the kickoff and yeah. so I've, you've got it I've never John, I have never seen a player humiliated so by you another sitting, player. You were sitting field. next to me that day, Malcolm. I remember. Yeah, was never there. seen anybody so humiliated on a football pitch as that. Yeah, uh, and Mark. Not... Yeah, yeah. I'm just, just, uh, I'm just going to go through a couple of the comments because we've got some funny ones. Mark Baez has fully expects the dead pigeon to be gone from the Gallagher Malcolm next game and working behind the bar in the Platinum Club to replace the last <laughs> who walked out. Uh, Billy reckons that he's heard that they're going to fix the holes and cracks at St James's Park because Ashley's ordered some extra large posters to put over them. And uh, Gary Milligan says, breaking news, Sky Sports breaking news, Steve Bruce is talking to Ronnie O'Sullivan about a loan move before the game at the weekend because Bruce believes we'll need snookers by half time. Uh, very, very good. Uh, got some good comedians in, good in the chat. Good stuff mind, isn't it? Good yes, stuff. Just, yes. It, it is. Uh, ten minutes left. Um, let's just look at the England game quickly. Um, look, not a bad not a bad set of results. They were going for six in a row last night. They didn't quite make it. Uh, Poland are a good team, especially on that, especially on that home pitch. Um, you know, and, and you know, they've got a deserved equaliser for me. But great goal by Harry Kane. But it's, mm. a, it's more or less a formality, isn't it, for England getting the Qatar now, I think? Yeah, I think so. Um, and in all honesty, I, I think England have done absolutely terrifically. Um, it annoys me when um, when, when you, everybody starts criticising because um, Poland got a, a very late goal and, and made it a draw and that England couldn't continue this run of wins. You know, for heaven's sake, an away draw, that'll do for me. But, and particularly against what I thought was a very strong home side. Um, Poland had very strong indeed, and uh, by heavens, they didn't half work hard against England. No, um, they did. Yeah, they really worked hard. Donald's um, right as well. Uh, Lewandowski, we knew he was going to be a, a, a handful, and by he yeah. was again. And I mean, he set up the equaliser, of course. Yes, yes, he did. Um, and uh, well done them. It's 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 always a bit galling to to um, for a goal to go in against you. Uh, in the in the dying minute, but uh, but it was well worked on their part, and uh, and I thought they looked a really strong side. That's the best I've seen them for a long, long while, long while. Um, but nevertheless, I, 
I, I watch the England side and I just think this side, it's going to get better and better and better. And in all honesty, that over the last couple of, of games, if I had to say, well, where's a weak link? Um, and I know he scored a terrific goal last night, but I thought that Harry Kane, his, his game's not anything like it should be. And I don't know whether he's... He's he's sort of mentally rocked by not um, not getting to Manchester City um, as he was hoping, um, or 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 quite what it is. I really don't know. But he is not looking the player that he was all um, all round. Um, I've, I've, he, he seemed to almost struggle to get into a game at times. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we've got um, quite a few comments coming in about uh, the Man United game. We'll come to that uh, in a minute. Uh, Bill says, don't know which game you were watching. I thought England dominated that against a very dirty Poland team. The ref was rubbish. Yeah, John, there was a there was a little yeah, carry on. Yeah. Sorry, I would question, yes, um, the referee's performance. Um, everything went to Poland. And yes, they, they were a very physical side. But... It's a really good England side. So, of course, they're going to be physical Poland. Um, they always have been. Um, it, it comes as quite natural to, to their game. Um, uh, England did dominate for long, for long spells. And I'm saying it's a very, very good England side. But they're playing away. And that gives an advantage to, to um, Poland. And I saw Poland. They were absolutely jam packing their um their penalty area when england were attacking uh, um and then woof they they were up the field so quickly um and uh england played really really well um but uh, but you have to sometimes just look at uh, um look at the opposition and say yeah they didn't do bad at all and of course they're physical poland always has been it's it's always been a physical side dear me uh, um, uh, 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 if we go back to to the seventies, they were really physical then, but they were a very good footballing side as well. Yeah, there were, there were, there were the referee did have a bad game, John, and I mean there was that big melee, and I think the FA have now asked FIFA to investigate what caused that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. But you, you've got to take everything in your stride, and. I guess because I'm a cynical old Geordie uh, that I wait at the end of the day and I've spent my whole career covering two football teams. One's Newcastle United and the other was England in the in the World Cups, etc. right throughout the career. And I, I look time and time again and say, are we jinxed or are we not? Because Newcastle United never win anything. In England, never win anything. 66 and 69 for both of them. England qualify well every time and then fall short mm. in the finals. Mm. I want them to win something. I agree with Malcolm totally. I feel more optimistic now about England in the way the side's been playing and how close they've got to winning something recently than I have for years. 
but I'm waiting for the breakthrough. England winning something's a bit like waiting for the takeover at Newcastle United, you know. You get <laughs> cynical eventually and say, it ain't going to happen, baby. Don't let us kid ourselves. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> and I'm waiting for the day that the flag is planted in the centre circle at St James's Park by the new owner, any new owner, and I'm waiting for the day for England to win something. Um and it would be nice. We've had the close. I mean, it's only a few months ago we were so optimistic about Newcastle being taken over as we're so optimistic now about England winning something. But if I remember, it was 66. And if I remember with Newcastle, it was 69. So both's long overdue. Mm -hmm. Please, let's do something about it and then get me on, on so I can crawl. Because at the moment, I'm scared to push me luck and say... You know, you think the takeover will happen, you think England will win something, and oh, that's a pink pig flying past the window, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not, also, uh, I'm uh, president of North Shields Football Club, as I've mentioned many times um, on, on this programme. Um, and the grumble at North Shields is that they won the Amateur Cup in 69, but were completely overshadowed by Newcastle winning <laughs> the that's right, absolutely correct. And funny enough, I was at both, Malcolm. I went, I went to. Oh, you went to the. I went to, to Wembley. Wembley when North Shields won. Yes. And then, and then Newcastle won. So that was that. Because if you remember, the reason I went to Wembley was because Frank Brennan was the manager. Yes, he was. Yes. And that was a That's very right. big story for Newcastle United mm -hmm. fans because Brennan was the fifties hero sort of thing that was done down by the club and, and sent to North Shields because he opened a shop against the chairman. Against um, the Seymours, yes. The chairman having sports shops, there seems to be a sort of something, a trend there. The only, the only difference was Stan Seymour, who had the sports shop back in the 50s, brought huge success to Newcastle and Mike Ashley's brought two relegations, but the, the, otherwise, there's a similarity. <laughs> you <laughs> so just thought quick, you'd throw that little one in. <laughs> yeah, I just thought I would, mate. <laughs> quick uh, happy birthday, uh, not to Mike Ashley, but to uh, former players, uh, Kevin Brock. Uh, it's his birthday today. And to uh, Frank Clark uh, ah. as well. Uh, his birthday today as well. Another Newcastle legend from Malcolm's playing time and, of course, uh, infamously sold by Newcastle because they thought he was past it, went on to win two European Cups in the league. Uh, so it just shows you what uh, that uh, mm. bunch of directors at Newcastle knew at that particular time. But uh, happy birthday to them anyway and uh, hope they've had a, a great day. Uh, OK, uh, we've put it off, gents. Ronaldo's return. Uh, I've got my ticket. You know what really gets on me wick, apart from them calling themselves United, because there's only one United, and it's Newcastle, is the ticket's got the Theatre of Dreams on it. I really hate that sanctimonious rubbish. It's called Old Trafford, not the Theatre of Dreams, for God's sake. But uh, the question is, Malcolm, is it going to be the stuff of nightmares at the weekend? Uh, I, I've just got a horrible feeling about it. I... Ronaldo, he will want to go out and be 10 times better than he was in his Man United debut the first time around. And, uh, and imagine the effect it's going to have on all the other Man U players. 
they're going to go and want to get out in the pitch and play with this fella. My word. I, 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 it, I, I think that uh, Newcastle United are going to have to really play well, work hard, just to try and stay in the game. And if they get anything out of it, I, I should be um, totally congratulatory. Um, but uh, I, I just have a, a really horrible feeling. Ronaldo, he's just going to uh, set the whole of Manchester off. Yeah, I mean, I've gone for a cheeky 1 0 Joe Linton on me betting slip, John. Um, <laughs> 92, to, 92 to 1, that is, according to Bet365. But we'll hear what uh, the Toon Tipster's got to say tomorrow. But yeah, why not? Newcastle, I, always do the unexpected, John. I'll tell you why not. I mean, you, you've always been a slate short of a full roof, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, but, but, I mean, 1 0 to Newcastle's bad enough, but Joe Linton getting it, we're now, we're now getting quite silly. I mean, and you only got 92 to 1. I, I know, I thought I was expecting to 1. I was expecting at least 150. You know, when people, when people say we've got 92 to 1, so it's a good bet because they're good odds. It's only a good bet if it comes up, you know. And there's, it's no hope and Bob Hope as far as Joe Linton scoring mm. the winner at Manchester United tomorrow's concern. And by the way, if, if you like, uh, I'll show me Derriere and Phoenix window <laughs> in Northumberland Street if yeah. we win 1-0 and Joe Linton scores a goal. Yeah, mate. Um, however, however, let's not... I mean, if we think about the match, guys, in its, you know, the match to start with, it was hard enough going to Manchester United before Ronaldo signed, with all mm. the good players of course, mm. before we were hit by a tidal wave of emotion, which is going to hit at three o'clock on Saturday because Ronaldo is back in there. Um, you know, it, it's like Moses turning back the Red Sea. You know, uh, can Bushy standing there and tell the waves to part so we can walk through mm. the centre and not get drowned? Um, it is it is hard to say. So may I say just a couple of things. First of all, when Ronaldo's record, 785 goals in 1,073 games, is slightly better than Joe Linton's, the whole of the Newcastle team put together, etc., uh, etc. Et There's absolutely no question about that. We're going to face a different Ronaldo, though. From the Ronaldo we knew that played against us the first time, when he was essentially left-winger, he was the high-stepping, step-over king that Alan San Maximum is now being today with, with his step-overs. Uh, he was that, but he killed teams uh, completely. He is not that anymore. He plays out and out through the middle, mm. between the two posts. There will be long periods in the game where he goes missing. Because he his style now, because he's 36 years old, yes. he's not going to yep. run all over the shop and be exhausted by 36 minutes of gone. Mm. He will play between the posts. <clears throat> there will be a lot of time where he does nothing. You look at his last match he played, which was the Republic of Ireland against Portugal. We they were one down, and he scored in the 89th and 95th minute. Before he scored, he'd hardly been seen. 
and then he scored with two stupendous headers when he rose further than Wynn Davies to stick the ball in the net. And that's what he does. And that's the sort of game that he will play here. And my concern is that the Newcastle three centre-halves, and by the way, none of them will want to mark them, but they will be lulled into a sense of false security. The guy's gone missing. He ain't doing anything. We relax a little bit. It's subconscious. And all of a sudden, he goes, what a tat. You're picking explodes. the ball And mm. that's what could happen to Newcastle's defence. But let's look at it another way, guys. We, the whole, and I can understand it, the whole obsession in the build-up to this game, nationally, not in the North, is about Ronaldo. And it's bound to be. But if you're neutral... If we concentrate just on Ronaldo, we'll get done, mind. Not necessarily by Ronaldo, yeah. but we will get done. Mm -hmm. if, if a neutral mal looks at this game, a neutral just saying, what have we got here? And looks like for like, who's playing against who? I'll give you a few examples. It's Pogba against Sean Longstaff. It's Maguire against Lascelles. It's Greenwood compared with Almeiren. It's Luke Shaw compared with Richie or Lewis. It's Sancho compared with Murphy. It's Varane, the new centre-half, who cost £39 million from Real Madrid compared to Shaw or Ferdinand. And even if we go to one of our assets for a goal-scoring midfielder, it's Bruno Fernandes compared to Joe Willock. In each of those cases, a neutral would say the tick is on the Manchester United side. Is Pogba better than Sean Longstaff? Yeah, yeah. Is Maguire better than other cells? The, the, the tick is on the Manchester United side. And that's what we're facing. And that's taking Ronaldo out of the equation. So yeah, it yeah. is ultra tough. And you know what? That's why I have made got people sick to death of hearing my voice over the last four games saying where the hell's the win because this sort of match is coming up where the hell was the win against West Ham and Aston Villa and Burnley in Southampton if we couldn't beat those four sides what are the odds of his beating Manchester United yeah, sad but true, John. Uh, you know, I will jokingly put that bet on. You never know. Funnier things have happened. Um, look, prediction. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. <laughs> prediction, prediction from you, John, before I go to Malcolm. Oh, dear, dear. Well, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. Um, and have we got to say by half, by how many? Yeah. You're being cruel now. You're, you're being absolutely you, Do you think it's going to be that bad? No, uh, I think we're going to... I, I can't make a case out for us getting anything because, mm -hmm. as I've said, the four games we've had, we haven't found a win. So we're going to find one in this game? The tide of emotion of Ronaldo in the stadium is going to sweep over us. And um, mm -hmm. I think if we lose 3-0, to a certain extent, you would think, well, we haven't been humiliated, but we lost... You know, all I want out of this game is for each player to look inside himself and see how big his heart is and see how much mm. he wants it and to see how much pride he's got. Let's play for a pride. Let's see what result comes as a, 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 after that 
But let us not be humiliated. Let Newcastle fans come back from Old Trafford and on the way back say, hey, it, they had a pop. They were courageous. 2-0, 1-0, we'll take that. But they were courageous. Let us first do ourselves proud and let us not run up a white flag and then say afterwards, mm. we're not good enough, we'll have to look yeah. at ourselves. We've heard all that before, haven't we? 3-0. No, yeah, I, I, I totally agree on, on the white flag, John. Um, you yeah. know, this this is a time for for people to really um, show their mettle. And, uh, but even so, um, I, I, I just have the feeling that Ronaldo, he's going to go the whole works and he's going and, and he'll be pulling everybody to, to go in and join him that's wearing a red shirt. Um, I, I, you mentioned three now. I can see it being that at half time and, and doubling by the end of the game. Um, I've, it could finish up a bit of a cricket score. And uh, I mean, I can see that, Malcolm, but I desperately don't want to say it. I, I know, you don't, but I, you don't want to say it. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I yeah. don't. I want, I want with the keeper of pride, guys. And, and I think I want Steve to be right. But I mean, you know, the pink pig in a paper hat. Uh, is what I think about immediately when I think one little Joe Linton. Um, but my God, wouldn't I love... This would be the perfect time to be wrong. Wouldn't it just? <laughs> yeah, fingers yes. crossed. Uh, the clock has beat us again. We've gone into a little bit of extra time. I'm back tomorrow. Now, we are live tomorrow uh, with the Fab Four, but it's going to be four o'clock till half past five because I have my final... Uh, boxing promotion is a boxing promoter tomorrow night. Uh, finally, hanging up my promoter's license after nine years, uh, thirty-five fights. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, you know the regulations and rules really are making it impossible for small hall promoters to promote in the area anymore. Um, I don't think Phil Jeffries will be too far behind us, but uh, we will be on live four till five thirty tomorrow uh, with all your familiar favourites, uh, and uh, look forward to seeing you then, John Malcolm. Look forward to seeing you next weekend, uh, next th next Thursday. Take care, lads. Take care, Good night, everyone. Keep the faith despite everything, guys. Keep the faith. <laughs>